a plant from outer space, and songs with at least a little grace. It's Little Shop, Little Shop of Horrors. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. Little shop, little shop of horrors. <laughs> Usually it's me that comes out of the gate singing, Alex, but hey, I am impressed. Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast, the bargain basement of the Monster Podcasting Airways, where two friends try to stay alive and stay connected by chatting about monster movies and more. This week, we have got Little Shop of Horrors from 1986, Alex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I was surprised. So when I was looking at the movies, uh-huh. I was like, is there another one? Why is it boasting that it's in color? And I looked and saw, you know, Roger it Corman's is. adaptation yeah. of the play. I don't know what was first. Yes. What came first? The play, the movie, or the remake? <laughs> uh, the remake, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the remake <laughs> always comes first. Um, well... Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if the 1960 version, the movie, came for. I would guess this. I would guess the play production came. First. I think it did too, because I think it had the original. It had like a, a certain ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right, but I am not a little shop of horrors expert mm. yet. You will yet. be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what we do on the show, Alex. Is we become experts. That's right. We do our research. We definitely do our research. Um, We definitely know everything there is to know about all the movies, actors, characters in all the movies that we review. A hundred, a hundred percent. I know that our listeners expect that of us. They expect that, and they expect us to be right one hundred percent of the time. And we always are, and for good reason. We have built those credentials up over the years. That's right. (laughs) And no one, everyone knows not to question us because they're just going to get egg on their face. Right. And if we don't mention a character that wasn't, that was prominently in the movie, just know that, that character did not actually exist. That is true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> hey, real quick, before we jump into our yeah. review, I want to give a shout out to our executive producer, John Freeman, because mm-hmm. what arrived in my mail today Except for a Halloween, the Halloween, a Halloween wow, goodie yeah. box of, we'll see. Because I, I, I tell you what, Alex, I have not opened my goodie box yet. Yeah, did, uh, did you just hear that jingle on my side? I did. I Are just, you opening yours right now? I just pulled the box next to me. I haven't oh, opened Alex. it yet, but just for John Freeman, I'm not gonna be able to open it on air because I don't know how well a uh, it will translate. We yeah, will I don't know how we'll well definitely. We'll talk uh, about it in our next conversation episode. But, John, I'll give you this satisfaction. Oh, that's me cutting the top of the box open for you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm saving mine. I, it, it, it was waiting for me when I got home, but I have just been too busy 
to open it yet. And I wanted to open it with all three of my kids because I know they'll enjoy it. Uh, and last year's box was just a treasure trove. Oh, I know. A treasure trove. I mean, John Freeman just goes all out with these things, and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it is amazing. It is incredible. So, well done, sir. Yeah, well done. I, I'm going to open it with all three of my kids as well. So, I'm going to have to wait till end of December, <laughs> January to open mine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'll be good. That'll be good. All right, man. Let's uh, jump into this movie. Let's do it. Imagine this pitch. I want to create a movie based on a musical about a plant. A plant from outer space. It's funny, though, but also kind of a whore. And I want to cast everyone that everybody knows. <laughs> That's Little Shop of Horrors in a nutshell. Now, would this be a movie that you could sell, Alex? Or does this one lack a cohesive gel? Oh, I, I think I could definitely sell this movie. Def, this is definitely one I could sell. I, I didn't really realize... Until I did my research, Eric, how great of a director Frank Oz was until Mm -hmm. I looked at his filmography. Mm. And man, this guy has some certified bangers. Now, they're not bangers in the conventional sense. Um, And what I mean by that is, I think these are movies, some of the movies are what, they've grown over time. Mm. Something like... For instance, I I haven't seen it in a long time, so I'm interested to kind of revisit it and see if my perspective on it's still the same. But he did a, he, things like Bowfinger. Mm. I absolutely loved Bowfinger when it came out. <laughs> Thought this movie was just so funny, so funny, and I feel like that's a movie that's actually aged rather well, and probably and probably. It's still niche, but I think it's probably grown as far as like general consensus about the film. I remember back then it being kind of looked down on a little bit, but then he puts out other films like some of his his Muppet his Muppet series, um, The Dark Crystal. Yeah, uh, see my my favorite Frank Oz film. Yeah, what about Bob? Well, I was like, I was getting ready to say, what about Bob? Death at a funeral? I, I mean, uh, really, I, and I, I haven't seen what about Bob, so I can't speak on oh, it. That good? You huh? haven't seen what about Bob? Oh, it's great. Dude. You love it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll check it out. That's enough for me to go check it out. But I mean, it's it, me recommending a comedy to you. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and, and but Frank Oz's style is very unique. Mm-hmm. I really love the off-kilter variety of his films, but especially the variety in Little Shop of Horrors, because it's not an exception. As a fan of a lot of the Muppet movies, Mm -hmm. and I know that he has a big background with the Muppets, Mm -hmm. uh, not just limited to his directing, but this film oozes that style in every way. From the songs, to the tone, to the outlandishness of the plot, to the guests... To the or to the cameos that pop up out of nowhere, there's a lot that's so unique here, and that's what makes it so easy to sell. It's unlike a lot of things that you've heard, 
even with it being a musical, Eric. And I Ooh. cannot wait for you to hear what you have to say about this one, because I know it caught you off guard. <laughs> yeah, honestly, man, I was so ignorant going into this. I'm not sure why I was so ignorant, right? Huh. This is just a piece of pop culture that was a little bit before my time. And one that I guess my parents were into either. There's this whole little subgenre of these types of films that I never actually watched as a kid. You know, the quirky horror gothic type, you know, comedy type, like hmm. Beetlejuice or even oh. the Adams family, really. Um, which I might have saw a little bit more of, but, but barely. Um, we just didn't watch them. And, and to be honest, like stylistically, I don't know if this is my cup of tea either. Uh, even though I think I'm a much bigger fan uh, of ma- musicals than you are, Alex. But I'll say this. Even if I didn't get on its wavelength all the time, I still appreciated multiple aspects of this film. The puppetry, the musical comedic moments, the performances. There's a lot to admire, even if I may not gel with it all myself. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's easy to see because the film is so different and you and unique. I mean, it's and off you, kilter. It's off. It's like yeah, the humor 100%. is just different. Um, yeah, which is fine. Uh, lots of it, I I really enjoy. Um, I think one of my favorite comedy moments, Alex, mm-hmm. is when Seymour uh, is trying to quietly pull the dead body down the steps. Oh yeah. <laughs> and first of all, it's loud. And then like he lets it go for a second and it just slides down the rest of the steps. Uh, like that gag stuff. That's hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that type of humor. Give it to me all day. That cracks me up. Um, I, I can't really put my finger on maybe. Uh, the humor I didn't like as much. Um, I guess I, I didn't find Audrey too very funny. So like, I thought the puppetry work was awesome. Um, but I, I, I wasn't super engaged with the humor of Audrey too, I guess. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's an element I definitely like. And, and I guess going back to what you were saying, uh, I really jived with the tone, with the tone of this film. And how it handles its levels of camp. I, I think this film manages its camp a lot like I remember Dead Alive managing its camp. And what mm. I mean by that, for any of our listeners that don't remember, we both thought Dead Alive had a great tone management. And we went into our episode remembering it that way. But upon review for the show, I think we, we both landed on it doesn't actually handle it very well. I think this is the tone that I remember Dead Alive having. And, mm. I, I, and I think this is great. I, I think it gives us, while being outlandish and goofy, I think it gives us interesting characters, none of whom are really morally black or white, it seems. 
And it gives us a really fun story with witty music. And it's also, you know, dark <laughs> in its undertones and, and some more obvious things. Um, I was surprised by the star-studded cast here. Again, very Muppet-like in some ways. But what wasn't Muppet-like is that these characters stick around for a while. I couldn't believe how long these cameos went on to the point that they weren't cameos anymore. Like, mm. especially Steve Martin's Orvin Scrivello. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he sticks around for so long, and he is such a highlight. But then oh, his yeah. interact... There's these, like you said, these off-kilter moments between, like, Orvin Scrivello and Bill Murray's Arthur Denton. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just the weirdest sequence of, like... Two fetishistic men, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <true. obvious. laughs> right? <laughs> trying one's trying to torture the other one, and the other one gets off on being tortured. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's really funny and witty. It goes on for an uncomfortable amount of time, which kind of for me adds to it <laughs> in a way. And then the resolution is funny, and while. That cameo with um, with Bill Murray isn't necessarily necessary. I'm glad it's there. Even if you could cut it out and not really lose anything. I, I was just really happy with how they handled a lot of these things. I could go on a good bit, but I do want to hear a little more from you about your thoughts on the film. That's such a random moment that you bring up, <laughs> Alex. But... Then again, I think Steve Martin's performance is one of the best things in this movie. It's so good. Uh, And then Bill Murray tries to come in and match him, and it's just hilarious. Yeah, I mean, you definitely could have cut that scene and lost nothing about the plot of this film, 100%. But also, you can't really say that the plot is what this film is all about, right? Um, It's not. (laughs) at least the way that it's done in this version of, of, of the movie, right? Mm. It, it's not about the plot. It's not about the messaging. It's about the scenarios and the music and getting into these outlandish uh, set pieces. And it's about the effects. Mm. Apparently, the extended version is about 20 minutes longer with a completely different and darker ending where Audrey mm. 2 takes over. Right. <laughs> um which is interesting. I think that would that would have been fine too. It just this movie seems to lean more into the comedy side than the horror side, and maybe by leaning into the comedy, it felt like it needed a more feel good um, uh, ending. You know, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean to to hit on your point with the tone, I, I get the comparison to Dead Alive, uh, and as I said, I think this does lean more into comedy than horror where I think Dead Alive actually did the opposite. Mm, it leaned true. a little bit more into horror than comedy. Um, though both of them had that mix. And as we mentioned in that episode, comedy horror is just a tough mix. We've seen some done well, though. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, and this this can fit into that category. What was very similar was that relationship dynamic between Seymour and Audrey, right? Oh, yeah. That felt like exactly the same. So it was very similar in that regard. I think Seymour, as a character who wants to be tough, uh, but ends up really hardly doing anything, 
<laughs> for most of this movie. I think Seymour as a character works. Um, there's not much to him uh, that makes him incredibly dynamic. Mm-hmm. He's not a dynamic or a complex character or a round character in any way. <laughs> uh, he's really straightforward, which is what Audrey Audrey kind of likes about him, right? Uh, but he's a straightforward character. There's nothing too complex, but that's kind of, again, what makes it humorous. Film isn't necessarily about trying to give us the, the most intricate plot or the most dynamic, complex characters. It's right. about the comedy and and the scenarios. Yeah, and but there are interesting things about the characters. Um, one that comes to mind is the character of Mushnick. Mm-hmm. But, Mush, Mushnick, like the the background that we keep hearing described by Seymour, is that Mushnick, you know, brought him in off the streets, gave him a place to sleep, and all this stuff. Like he's like this great guy, right? Yeah. But when you keep hearing Seymour's story, it becomes more and, and more clear that Mushnick picked up Seymour so he could just work. Yep, yep, yep. And that he just exploited him for labor <laughs> this entire time. Mm-hmm. And so I like that idea that Mushik's not a good guy. Actually, he's 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 somewhere in the in between. Like I said, I think a lot of these characters are in this weird gray area. Um, <laughs> Scrivello probably notwithstanding. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I like that aspect of that character, and it does give a little more. Depth, I would say, to that final interaction between Mushnick and Seymour when Audrey Two eats him, because you're, you're, I'm sitting there thinking, like, you know what, Mushnick's not that great. Like, I don't, I don't think Seymour should push him in, but when he gets eaten, you're like, yeah, I don't know. I think Audrey may have eaten a bad guy. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. But but then he also cares too. We see him caring about like Audrey, right? She keeps telling her get away from that guy and we see him be nice to Seymour, but he just exploits Seymour a lot. It's just a, a, I don't know. I like that little aspect to this character. And I I think all the characters have some sort of weird kind of layer like that to them. Um, (coughs) but yeah, I mean, I've, I've mentioned a lot of things I liked so far and I, I I usually like to give some negative things. So (laughs) I'm going to give you some other things I liked. (laughs) Because there's not a lot negative here for me. I think the puppetry is absolutely incredible. I've never seen it done quite this well. And to the scale. Yes, we have praised something like Biolante in the past. But when we, when I reflect on Biolante, I also remember that it's in about five minutes of the movie. I remember that while it does have all these cool tentacles and it has a cool moment where it moves. It is mostly a static creature. Um, especially in terms of its head movement, um, in some respects. Whereas Audrey two for me far surpasses what I think is a masterclass, which is by Alante. It's so emotive. It forms its words correctly in it with its mouth, at least it looks like it does. And it has all of these little human elements with its vines and its arms are crossing. And it's doing all these little details that are so easy to miss 
because it doesn't even repeat any of those movements. I love that they treat this thing like it's its, its own character. Uh, not just, of course, in its story and how it talks, but the little nuances and how its body moves. I'm not talking about the over over the heavy-handed ones where it's tapping its fingers on the glass or anything like that. I'm mm-hmm. just talking about when it's having a normal conversation with somebody yeah. and watching what the vines do during that. It is so impressive. Oh, yeah. Now, I, ha- I have had a lot of praise for the film, and but, but there is one negative aspect to the film that I really don't think works that great, and that is the ending. It is just too rushed. Seymour getting a building dropped on him and then just happening to have a power line in his hand and use it to defeat this monster that's going to take over the earth. When he could, and this is after he couldn't even shoot the thing earlier. It's just weird. It's rushed. It was clear, like you said, that this was not the original ending. And it makes this ending make sense now that I know that. Yeah. I mean, to me, uh, overall, it sounds like we found your musical, Alex. That's for yeah, sure. 100%. But I, I wonder, if, for me, if I would have enjoyed the uh, longer, darker ending more. Um, because I think the ending is... I do think it's rushed. I, I do I do think it's... Um, I don't think it quite fits, right? Um, But at the same time, it's safe. Um, Which the rest of this movie isn't necessarily trying to be safe in terms of uh, characters. But I I kind of expected this happy ending. Um, Yeah, Just based off of the overall vibe I was getting from the movie, I expected a happy ending. If we had gotten the darker ending, it's definitely not a happy ending. Um, it's making a point, and it's it's being more clear in what it's trying to say, but it's not that happy fairy tale esque ending uh, that we got here. So mm. I, I I am curious how I would have responded. Uh, that might be worth checking out at some point uh, to see if I can get my hands on that other ending um, because I am curious about it. Um, I. I th- I think this would grow on me a second viewing, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Because, uh, I mean, with any musical, like if you're familiar with the songs through the first time, you're going to enjoy it more the second time. Uh, And I guarantee you there's a treasure trove of little details in this thing that I just didn't pick up on the first time around as I was just trying to absorb everything um, during some of our musical numbers. So, yeah, so, so much so much here um, going on, but I'm with you. I wanted to tell you, touch on the puppetry as well. How amazing um, was that? I, I read in my research, my thorough research, Alex, that Audrey <laughs> too was even interviewed on a few talk shows, uh, which I thought was really interesting. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's so funny. cool. Pretty funny. Well, cool, man. You want to jump into our awards? Yeah, let's do it. All right, who you got? Compelling character. I've got Orvin Scrivello, DDS. <laughs> what a great character. He's so horrible 
and hilarious and his whole background <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> right he dresses like this biker he acts like this like <laughs> like this like thug <laughs> and then he goes and he takes off his leather jacket and he's a dentist yeah, a sadistic <laughs> dentist and it's just so he can be like sadistic it's so it's funny. so funny it is just what a what a cool character. Yeah. Oh, what what about you, Eric? Um, I've kind of gone a couple ways. I probably would have chose the dentist as well because that to me was one of my favorite parts of the movie when he came in. I was just surprised first of all, but then the character mm-hmm. just knocked me. Uh, like it just had me cracking up. Um, most I laughed in the movie was was at him for sure. I, I'm gonna go with audrey one uh, audrey audrey mm. one actually okay. uh who i thought was annoying <laughs> at several points in this movie and maybe it was just kind of the performance and the way that she kind of acts but but ultimately you do see a little bit of complexity in her and how she's trying to get away from this abusive relationship um mm. and into something more steady, right? She's kind of attracted to the opposite of what she's currently in. Um it's it's a trope, but it's a trope that I think works well here. Um so I, I I'll go with Audrey in, in this movie. Okay. I didn't see that coming. Good pick, good pick. Um Eric, what about your most memorable line award? My most memorable line comes from Audrey too, and it's from uh, his song towards the end when he says, "You know I don't come from no black lagoon," um, <laughs> <laughs> which that was his shining moment was kind of that that song where he kind of gives his his backstory a little bit. Um, but I like that shout out to uh, our Universal Monster there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How would you on that too? Uh, mine is uh, was a line between Seymour and Mister Mister Mushnick. <laughs> and Seymour is talking about how his uh, plants dying. He says uh, the Audrey too is not a healthy girl, and Mister Mushnick says strictly between us, neither is the Audrey one. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a, such a, a quick-witted line. Oh, yeah. I loved, loved it. Loved it. Uh, can't believe the acting award. Um, So, uh, I originally had Bill Murray as Arthur Denton because of how, like you said earlier, he matches Steve Martin mm-hmm. uh, in that scene. And he's just so completely outlandish and so different from what his normal roles are. It's, it, was, it was cool to see. Um. But when I started thinking about it more, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it to Levi Stubbs as as Audrey, too. There you go. That voice is awesome, mm-hmm. first off. And then the songs are perfect, too. I, I just I got to give it. He, he really le- lends a lot of uh, presence to Audrey, too. Yeah. No, valid, valid. Good choice. I didn't get to choose him as the compelling character, but I did think Steve Martin's performance here as my can't believe that acting award 
uh, deserves a whole lot of praise. And honestly, that that's really what I'm praising anyway, probably with this character. Yes, it's such a random uh, written character, right? A yeah. biker thug who's also a sadistic dentist. Um, <laughs> yeah, like what a weird character. But Steve Martin pulls it off perfectly uh, and just adds so much flavor uh, to yeah, performance. <laughs> it is so over the top, like so over the top. And yet he pulls it off, which is impressive. Like you have to have a whole lot of charisma to pull off something like that. And Steve Martin does. So uh, I've got to give it to, to him and his Orvin Scrivello performance. Uh, one, one of my favorite actors. Oh, yeah. I just God, I love Steve Martin. <laughs> what about, um, uh, oh, that's a good shot, Alex. Mine's the zombie shot in Skid Row. Uh, there, he, he, this is during the, the musical number, Skid Row. Mm-hmm. And there's that fence, and he's walking around, and he sees all these arms start grabbing the fence and start, oh, yeah. like, right? There's all these arms, and it, it's like the typical zombie movie shot but it's just a bunch of homeless people (laughs) skid row it's it it's pretty funny and it's it's you know it's got that little tinge of horror Mm -hmm. uh like the rest of this movie does yeah no that's good uh my oh that's a good shot was the dentist musical number shot uh and it is or that scene and it's the shot from inside the mouth of the patient uh which was really cool you can see Orvin there, like centered in the shot, but you also see the rest of the mouth and the teeth as we're looking from the inside. It, it, it really clever, um, a perfect shot for that moment. I've seen that image before, and I thought it was from some other movie. Oh man, uh, I had no idea. I mean, I, again, I had no idea that Steve Martin was even in this movie. No, me no neither. Me neither until he showed up, and it made me laugh. <laughs> and then it just got better from there. I was like, oh. And then it just right? was hilarious. Yes. I know. I expected him to go away really quickly. Yeah. And yeah. Then he stuck around for so long. It's funny. Funny. Yeah. All right, man. Eric. Yeah. I want to hear it. What's your best musical number? It looks like we both decided on this award. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's got to be the song that's been stuck in my head. Now, if I watch this a second time, I could probably give a better answer but it's got to be little shop little shop of horrors uh the theme song for this for this film uh it is yeah it's been stuck in my head i've been uh it's been my pet name for my kids today is hey come here little shop of horrors um (laughs) just because it's been in my head so uh (laughs) yeah it's it's funny uh but it's also incredibly catchy uh i love it Oh, that, that's a really good pick, and you're right. It is the song that's stuck in my mind the most since I've seen it. But I picked my favorite musical moment as Steve Martin's dentist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, just the, the whole backstory is incredible. Mm-hmm. I just love how it lays out, and his performance during the whole thing is just perfect. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, all right, man. Final thoughts and tier rating. I'll go ahead and start. Okay. I 
didn't find myself always on the same wavelength with this film as in terms of its comedy. Um, it, it could just be, it's probably me in the moment. And if I watched it with somebody else, um, I would be laughing a whole lot more than I did. I, I love many of the aspects uh, of this comedy, but then other parts just fell a little bit more flat for me. With that said, the music was good. The effects were amazing. And so many performances surprised me and were standouts. So I have a lot of praise for this film, despite it not being my personal favorite. So with that said, it is an upper gamma tier film for me. Okay. How about you, man? Okay. Yeah, I... I mean, this is a Godzilla tier for me. I, it really has one weakness, and that's the ending. And even that's not egregious; it's just abrupt. Mm. Um, I, I I do believe the more positive ending, at least with the film that we were given, probably makes more sense than the dark ending because mm-hmm. I feel like it may have, and it probably did. Feel like it came out of left field. Mm. Uh, I don't think this movie maybe leans into the horror quite enough to justify a dark ending. Right. Um, but that being said, I, I from the characters to the music to the lyrics in the music to the to the puppetry, I I am just blown away by this. I mean, as someone who really likes the Muppet movies, this just had that energy all over it. But to like a goth. Or more, I guess a goth kind of horror, not gothic horror, but goth mm-hmm. horror uh, tinge to the whole thing. And I just absolutely love the outlandish nature of the entire film. So definitely a Godzilla tier for me. Just a very pleasant surprise. Nice. I like it. Are you ready, Alex, for our AI Rotten Tomatoes synopsis? Yes. Little Shop of Horrors is an easy sell, even for those who might not be musical enthusiasts. Frank Oz's unique direction and the film's quirky horror comedy tone make it a captivating and enjoyable experience. The movie successfully manages its camp and offers interesting characters with witty musical numbers. The commitment of the star-studded cast despite some quirky cameos, adds to the film's charm. While the rushed ending may be a minor hiccup, the incredible puppetry, especially in bringing Audrey 2 to life, is a highlight that sets this musical apart. Overall, Little Shop of Horrors offers a memorable, unique, and entertaining experience for both musical and non-musical fans alike. Four out of five stars. I can't wait for AI to take our jobs. Oh yeah, that was (laughs) our job right there. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I mean that golly, it's so good. It's a little disturbing. That was more on the money than last time's. Oh man. Yeah. It's just um reading our words, Alex, and <laughs> combining it. <laughs> Kinda creepy. But as that. always, thank you for listening to Monsters vs. Men. Except for you, AI. You can just stop. <laughs> you can find the archive of past episodes and connect with us at our website nvmpod.com or follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram at nvm underscore pod. You can become a bargain basement at patreon.com forward slash nvmpod and 
most importantly, will receive our undying appreciation. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Kevin Alexander, Faye Basir, Christopher Clavero, and John Freeman. Just a thanks to our wives, comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which formed Subblock B, Louis Loops, and your Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't feed me and try, try to, to stay, stay alive. alive. Mafia, wake up, wake up. I like that. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. But John, I'll give you this satisfaction.